0: You are listening to the East Point Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church that exists to glorify God as a gospel community that is growing in faith and reaching the world. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged and challenged by today's sermon.
1: Good morning, East Point Church. How are you guys? Doing well today? Are we awake? Good. Good. Why don't you guys go ahead and open up your Bibles, please. Mark chapter 9. That's where we're going to be this morning as we dive into the Word. And um, I'm just, I'm I'm praying this morning. I am, I'm hoping and praying and just earnestly before the Lord saying, God, increase our expectancy, right? Help, Help us go from a, from a church that's like, all right, what are we doing today? To like, what are we doing today? You know, my kids are so funny. You know, I'll be eating. So this morning, like I'm eating at the counter and we have this like high top counter and and I'm eating, and my youngest kids, because they're so little, they can't see what I'm eating, right? All I had this morning was scrambled eggs and avocado. Nothing fancy. But because they couldn't see, they always go, Daddy, what are you eating up there? What are you eating? Because they think I might be eating Skittles for breakfast, you know? You never know. But they just have this, like, excitement of, like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And this morning, I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, what do you have for us up there? Right? And this one's like, I want to see it. And I just want us to climb up the counter and just feast on what God has for us this morning. Can we do that? Can we lean forward and engage and just ask God to meet us where we are this morning? So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, and what we're going to talk about today is, full disclosure, extremely controversial. All right, I feel like that's a good way to just prepare us. Very controversial. I'm sure all of you that are on social media, you've probably seen this going around in recent days. It's not new, but it's heated, friends. This is a regular conversation that we see pundits talking about in the news, your friends deliberating on social media. This is the kind of topic that you just can't help but feel a little bit heated about when it comes up. I personally, I have seen friendships strained by this topic. Families negatively affected when this comes up. But friends, if the Bible talks about it, how many of you know we need to talk about it? All right? And so the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is this, who is the GOAT? Who's the GOAT? Some of you don't know what that means, and so you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop. The greatest of all time. Do you know what that acronym means, friends? There is a culture, some of you are like, I'm still shook by the negative comments thing, I'm sorry, all right. This is controversial, but not in that kind of way. Listen, the GOAT, there is a cultural obsession happening right now for identifying who is the greatest of all time. Who is the greatest of all time? See, in our culture, if you watch sports, I mean, it doesn't even have to be sports. It can be anything. But in our culture, it's not enough to simply recognize that you're good. It's not enough to even recognize that you're great. We are obsessed with trying to put things in the context of the whole and asking ourselves, where do you rank though, right? Any football fans in here? Anybody follow the NFL draft over the last few days, right? And every time that there's a young player coming out of college, it's not enough to say, wow, what an impressive young man. Wow, this man has worked hard his entire education, and now he's one of the best players in the world. No, no, they have to rank them. You are the 32nd best in the draft, right? And then they compare it. They don't just say, where do you rank? But they look to uh, history and they go, you're like such and such. Nah, not the best, but you're decent. And, and everybody is trying to figure out who's at the top. Who's the greatest to ever step on the court, right? Not just good enough. Who's the greatest? Who is the greatest to ever swing a nine iron? That's the thing, right? The nine iron? None of you like smile. I was like, I don't golf, but I could have sworn 9-iron was a thing. Who is the greatest person to ever put on skates and dance around the ice? Who is the greatest to ever jump into a pool and swim as fast as they can? Come on, guys. You may not want to admit it, but all of us are obsessed with the goat. Who's the greatest actor of all times? Leonardo DiCaprio. True answer, Okay. Who's the greatest gymnast of all time? Simone Biles, obviously, right? Who's the greatest singer in the world? Celine Dion, of course. We know this. We want to know who is the greatest. Friends, who is the goat? And so we're talking about this because today Jesus enters into the conversation. Jesus actually shows up on the scene and he asks and answers this exact question. And he wants you to know this morning who the greatest of all time is. Not the greatest of the sports world, but who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? In God's economy, in God's eyes, according to God's perspectives, who is the greatest among us? Don't Jesus juke me. You're like, well, Jesus is the greatest. Ah, oh, okay, okay, yes. But I'm talking about in this room, who's the greatest? Ooh, that's awkward, Right? in your family, who's the greatest, in the kingdom of God, who is the greatest. And so we're going to turn to Mark chapter 9 because the king of God's kingdom is going to answer this very question. Are you guys ready? You know what? I talked about being expectant. I'm going to ask you guys to stand for the reading of God's word. Let's read the whole thing, and then we're going to go back and break it down. God, what do you have for us? Let's stand up so we can see it a little bit better, okay? Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 30. but him who sent me. Lord, we love you. We appreciate what you have done in our lives. Lord, you have brought us into your family. We are your children. And so, Lord, now would you speak to your children? Would you make your children look more like you? We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. You may be seated. All right, let's go back to the top. We like to just go line by line, verse by verse. Let's see what God says to us here, okay? So it begins like this. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples. So hey, no distractions, right? I can't allow the crowds to distract me from what I'm doing. There's an intensive lesson going on here, and what is it? Well, he was saying to them, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he is killed, after three days he will rise, But they did not understand the saying, and they were afraid to ask him. They did not understand what this is. And this next scene shows us just how little they understood. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? What were you talking about as we traveled back to Capernaum? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Who is the greatest? Sound familiar? Some things never change, do they? Thousands of years later, friends, and we are still here in 2023, we still see this tendency to rank, to compare, to compete with one another. This phrase, this is so core to how we operate as a human people, Right? as a society. I mean, from the time that you're in school, right, you're brought up and you're taught, hey, am I QB1 or QB2, right? Do you remember when you got to the point in high school where they stopped just giving you a percentage grade? They they started telling you your percentile, right? Percentage tells me what percentage did I get right or wrong. Percentile says, I don't care what you got right or wrong. How do you compare to everyone else? And you know how many people are ahead of you and behind you? You graduate college, and you start to get recruited by businesses, and they say things like, we're the 23rd most productive branch in the nation. You're like, well, I'm going to go work for the other 22 then. I mean, what are we doing? Right? Our town is the 10th nicest place to live. That's a true fact. When I was looking at moving here, I Googled, what's Easton, Maryland? And it was like, one of the top 10 nicest places to live. And I was like, how do you measure that? We went around with a microphone and asked them. How nice is this place? And everybody said, top 10. What do we do? We rank everything. I was at a church conference this past week. Me and Pastor Ronnie, Pastor Daniel, Katie, our operations director, we went to, as a team to this conference, and there's thousands and thousands of people there. And what, what, inevitably, what happens? This man, who's top 100 fastest growing churches in America, this person was in a magazine. Even in the kingdom of God, don't we do it? Even in church world, who is the greatest? You see, we don't say, mirror, mirror on the wall, am I pretty? We say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? Friends, we think in depth charts. We ascend org charts. We climb the ranks. We climb the ladders. The categories of good, greater, and greatest These these vertical hierarchies are so deeply embedded in our world's view. Some things never change. And I understand, I'm a leadership guy, I get it. Sometimes there is a chain of command, right? There is a necessity for leadership as functional and organizational categories. But here's what we see here. There's a difference between a leadership chain of command and a pecking order. There's a difference between a functional org chart and that devolving into a pecking order of who's more important. And today we see that it's never pretty when we place ourselves in the pecking order. It's never pretty, friends, when we place ourselves in the pecking order. And so here we have grown men, not children, grown men, and they're having a heated argument over who is the greatest. They're not trying to be HR. They're not trying to provide an org chart for the kingdom so they can functionally be better. No, they want to know who's the most important? What is my value in the kingdom? You got to remember, they still thought that Jesus was coming to lead a political kingdom, right? They still expected Jesus to ascend a throne and to raise back Israel to being a global superpower overthrow Rome, ascend Israel, and Jesus will sit on the throne. And so here's the question. When Jesus sits on the throne, where will I sit? That's what they want to know. When Jesus ascends to power, where will I sit? When Jesus assumes the chair of Messiah, what role will I play? Who is the greatest? And I doubt it was as blatant, right, as like, I'm the most important of us all. Like, very few people were probably just like putting on their name chest. Number one, right, we're so much more subtle than that. Maybe Peter. Peter is probably the only one going, obviously, I'm vice messiah. I could see that. Foot in mouth. I could see him saying that. But I bet you that they, just like we, I bet you it was more subtle under the surface, this attitude that creeps into our heart that says, hey, if Jesus was ranking his followers, come on, right? If Jesus, I mean, guys, I mean, like, we're all important. Jesus loves all of us, but I mean, come on, right? I mean, if there was a rank, obviously, I don't want to say it because I don't need to. It is never pretty when we place ourselves in the pecking order. And so what does Jesus do? The good teacher, when he sees things in your heart, he leans in. When he sees things in our heart that are cancer to our souls, he does surgery. And so Jesus doesn't just go, ah, these knuckleheads. He goes, no, there's something inside of them that will destroy their souls. There is something inside of these men that will spoil their effectiveness in the kingdom. There is something inside of these men that need to be confronted if I'm going to entrust them with the mission. And so he turns when they get to their home. They get to Peter's mother-in-law's house and they're back at home base. And Jesus says, what were you discussing on the way? Crucial conversations, right? How many of you are conflict averse? Any of you? You're like, dear God, I'd rather just eat a light bulb than have to talk to somebody about something hard. Right? How many of you are like, I can do conflict? Anybody? And how many of you are like, I love conflict? Right? <laughs> You're like, yes! I mean, no, no, of course not. Dude, Jesus is not scared. He asks a hard question. What were you discussing on the way? And they don't say, as a matter of fact, Jesus, let me tell you, because maybe you can settle this for us. No, 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 it says here, They kept silent. They kept silence because as they are standing in the presence of the true goat, they feel embarrassed. As they hear the true goat speak, they instantly become aware of the pettiness of their argument. It is never pretty when grown adults resort to the argument. So, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? Who's the most important? Who's the most powerful among us? Obviously, Jesus is number one. I get that. But come on, who's sitting at his right hand? And so Jesus, the good and faithful teacher, uh, he sits down. The universal sign for classes and session, you know what I mean? When the Messiah, when Jesus, when the rabbi sits down, that means notebooks out, okay? And so the teacher, he sits down, and he's going to tell them. He's going to tell us who the goat is. Look what he says. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. You see, we saw them trying to place themselves on the pecking order, but now Jesus comes and he flips the pecking order upside down. They're trying to climb the ladder and Jesus in one fell swoop, he flips it upside down. He says, if anyone would be first, pause there. He says, if you truly want to be great, pause there. Notice how he doesn't condemn your desire to do something great. He doesn't say, if you really want to be first, that's silly. If you really want to be great, that's silly. No, no, he doesn't condemn their desire to be first. He he doesn't condemn, he doesn't say, you shouldn't want to be first. Friends, there is something inside of you, there is something inside of me that strives to do something significant. If you're here this morning and you want to contribute to this world, you want to contribute to the kingdom of God in a way that is meaningful, in a way that is enduring, in a way that is great, that's the image of God inside of you. See, this world says, don't try to rise above. Don't, Don't try to stand out. Don't do anything too great. We'll make fun of you. And Jesus says, no. If you want to do something great, you want to be first? I'm not going to condemn that. I'm going to redeem it. I'm gonna show you how. You see, we want to be a part of something important. We want to contribute to something significant, but sin, period. <laughs> sin has twisted the image of God inside of us. It has created this argumentative, competitive, self important, self centered pursuit for the top spot. Let me say it this way. There's a difference between wanting to do something great for God and just wanting to do something greater than her. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between I want to do something great for God and I want to be greater than him. So he doesn't condemn the desire to be great. He doesn't condemn the desire to contribute to something significant. He redeems it. He redeems it. If you truly want to be first... In God's eyes, where it matters, if you truly want to do something significant, then check it out. Check it out. Here's how you do it. He he tells us how. You don't become great by ascending the ladder. You become great by descending the ladder. That's what he says. You don't achieve true significance by striving to be the greatest of all you achieve true significance by striving to be the servant of all, the soat, the servantists of all time. It'll catch on. Stick with me now. Come on, East Point. We're setting trends here. In God's kingdom, the greatest men, the greatest women aren't those who try and place themselves at the top of a pecking order. It's those who willingly descend and get low, and sit at the bottom. Those who are the greatest in God's kingdom are those who do what Philippians says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. You see, Jesus descended the ladder, didn't he? Jesus showed up on the night that he was betrayed, and he gets down, literally, he gets low, And he takes out a towel and he started washing people's feet. Imagine you're there, you're one of the 12, you're at dinner and Jesus is like, bust off your sandals and he gets out a wash tub. And you're just like, Jesus, people, what are you doing? People at the top of the pecking order don't wash feet. Jesus, what do you, get up. Why are you picking up a towel? You shouldn't be doing this. You're more important than this. People at the top of the pecking order don't wash feet. Jesus says, I didn't come to sit at the top of the pecking order. I came to descend the ladder. I came to lay down my life. And now I am calling all who follow me, grab your towels and do likewise. Grab your towels, friends. What a missed opportunity. We should have handed out towels at the door, right? Man, could have got a killer deal from Bed Bath & Beyond. We could have bought in bulk. We could have like, made a little like stencil on it with EP. Man, missed it. Next time. Grab your towels, he says. Grab your towels and follow me. Because the greatest individuals, those who are first in God's eyes, are those who serve others. Friends, this is one of the greatest paradoxes of the kingdom. The greatest among us are not those who pursue greatness. (laughs) What? The greatest among us are not those pursuing greatness. It's those pursuing service. It's those who don't just say, well, I'll serve if the opportunity arises. I'll serve if they ask me. I'll serve if they're really in a bind. They are pursuing it with a hunger. They are pursuing these opportunities with an intentionality. In this, it's, the, it's the inverse of those in the business world who are pursuing the top spot. That same level of zest, that same level of hunger, that same level of drive. We pursue service. And they're sitting here and they're just stunned, right? As you and I would be. And so Jesus breaks out an object lesson and he took a child and he put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. In the eyes of these self-important, selfishly ambitious men, can you think of anything less important than receiving a child? Can you think of anything lower than taking care of and meeting the needs of a child? He says, you want to be great? And he takes a child and he puts him and he goes, care for that child. And the disciples are like, bro, whoa, whoa, whoa. We were thinking, better idea, we were thinking that we would attend to diplomats and ambassadors. We were thinking we'd be in the cabinet of your kingdom. We were thinking we would negotiate contracts with the other nations. We were thinking that we could be your armor bearer. We were thinking that we'd do something more important. And so Jesus knows that these men who are fighting for positions of power would surely balk at the idea of assuming the position. Of a caretaker. You wanna be great? Wipe his nose. Give her something to eat. You wanna be great? Play nanny for me. You wanna be great? Receive this child in my name. Do it for me. You want me to do what? You want me to you want me to wake up at 6:30 and set up chairs? What? Wait, Jesus, Jesus. You, you want me to hand out bottles of water? What? Come on, Jesus. You, you want me to show up here not to stand on the stage but to set up the stage? You want me? You, you want me to wake up in the middle of the night multiple times for a baby? You want me to change a diaper? What? You you want me to put up park? Oh, parking cones. You want me to put up parking cones on Easter? You, you want me to go around town and give kids rides to youth group because they can't get a ride to you? Do, do you know who I am? And Jesus says, do you know who you are? Do you know who I've called you to be? I've called you to be a servant. Friends, what are the things? Let's be real here because at East Point, we are super real. We're not like, yes, that's a good word. We're like, yep, that's me. Listen, what are the things in your life that if Jesus were to say, do this, you would go, do you know who I am? What are the serving opportunities that trigger, let's call it for what it is, that trigger your do-you-know-who-I-am response? That is a medical term right there. We all have it. It's just a matter of how hard we push, right? We all have a do-you-know-who-I-am response. What is it in your life that triggers that? What would be so low? What would make you balk at the idea of taking a position of a servant? Do you know who I am? Followers of Jesus, we never graduate from serving. We never. And so for these men, Jesus triggered their do you know who I am response. Receive a child, take care of a child. But here's what Jesus says. He doesn't just say do it. Look how he imports greatness into it. Look how he assigns such a value and an importance and a significance. He says, whoever, the, the greatness of the one who serves this child, listen to me, the greatness of the one, the importance of the one who receives this child is equal to, is on par with, is equally significant to the person who would receive me. Good morning, East Point Church. We have a guest speaker with us this morning. You might have heard of him. His name is Jesus Christ. We're looking for volunteers to take him out to lunch and to host him this week right? What an honor. How many of you, don't raise your hand if it's not you, right? Everybody raise your hand. How many of you would love the opportunity to receive Jesus into your home? How many of you would love the opportunity to take out Jesus to lunch? Make sure it's a good spot, all right? Talking the king of kings in here, the Lord of lords, the bread of life, all right? We would love that opportunity. How many of you would have a sense of importance as people see you walking down Washington Street? like, Hey, Larry, who's your guest? J.C. Right? Like, come on. You guys would be feeling yourselves. Wow, who's that guy? I don't know, but if he's escorting Jesus, he must be important. We would all love that. (laughs) Jesus, escort. I'm important. I'm doing something that matters. And Jesus says, those who receive a child, those who, who do something that will never show up on Instagram. Those who never step in the limelight. Those young mothers who are up in the middle of the night, right? And you're like, I thought I was gonna do something great with my life and I'm just being a mom right now? Just a mom? <laughs> what? He says, whoever receives a child in my name, it's as if you were receiving me. The honor And the greatness and the importance of that person is as great as the one who who we're hosting, not just Jesus, look what he says. Receive a child, it's like you're receiving me. Receive me, it's as if you're receiving, not just me, but him who sent me. The father of glory, the father of lights, the creator of the universe, Yahweh himself. He says, what you are doing down here with your towel, it's as if you're receiving the Father into your home. How is that possible? There's no, is this just some like weird kingdom psycho babble? Are you just trying to trick me, Jesus, into doing the things that I don't want to do? Are you just trying to like blow smoke up my nose here? Are you just trying to, he goes, no, 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 friends. I'm dead serious. Because in my kingdom, the greatest of all, is the servant of all. The greatest of all is the servant of all. You see, from this perspective of the pecking order, this makes no sense. This is so small. It's so insignificant. It's too far away from the limelight to be truly considered great. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus flips the pecking order upside down. And in his eyes, a person who is willing to selflessly serve in this way is truly great. Why? Because the greatest of all is the servant of all. The greatest of all is the servant of all. You want to be great? It's okay to say yes. You want to do something important? You want to do something that matters? Do you want to do something significant with your lives? It's okay to say yes. If God has given you a gift of leadership, he says, lead with zeal, not with half-hearted, apologetic nature. I guess God's called me to lead. No, I'm gonna do something great for the kingdom. Then serve. Then serve, lay down your life. Do you know why it works like this? There's a reason. This is not just like a made-up principle. This is not like God's just going, ah, I'll consider this great. No, no, do you know why it works like this in the kingdom? Why does God place such a premium on humility? Why does the Father place such a premium on servanthood? This is the reason. Because when we serve like this, we are shining a spotlight on something even greater than us. You see, friend, when God's people serves with humility, we are shining a spotlight and drawing attention to our founder who humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. That's what God wants people to see. When we serve, we are shining a spotlight and drawing attention on the God who put on flesh and picked up a towel and started washing feet. That's what God wants people to see. Friends, when you serve, prioritizing other people's needs above your own and above your desire for greatness, you are shining a spotlight on the one who willingly left greatness. And took the form of a servant and laid down his life to bring people into the family of God. That's what we want people to see. When we serve, we are glorifying and shining a spotlight on the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's what we want people to see. The world is hungry, friends. The world is hungry to look at something beautiful. The world is hungry to have a leader that can capture our imaginations and not disappoint us. The world wants to worship someone. And so what do historical figures do? They step into the spotlight for their 15 minutes of historical fame, and they say, I think you should worship me. But here's the thing. When human beings stand in the spotlight for too long, their flaws start to show when human beings stand in the spotlight for too long, we start to realize just how much they lack. And so, what do we do? We don't wisen up. We say, next, we just have the parade of limelighters, the parade of spotlighters. The world is filled with people who step forward and say, Look at me. And we get to be a people who step out of the light and say, Look at him. And you know how we say, Look at him? The greatest of all is the servant of all. Look at him, world. Let us show you every time we lay down our lives, every time we pick up our towels in service of others, every time we do whatever it takes, no matter how seemingly insignificant and obscure it is, may you see Jesus Christ. May you see the glory of the Son. May you behold how beautiful he is. And as you gaze at him, become like him. May the world see Jesus. Lord, we love you, Father. We praise you this morning, and we ask you that you would make us to be like Jesus. Make us servants, God, so that the world will behold the beauty of Jesus. We pray this, and we serve in his name, and the church said, amen. Let's stand.
0: We want to thank you again for joining us for this week's sermon podcast. My name is Daniel, and I'm the music and creative pastor here at East Point Church. And if you were challenged, encouraged, or impacted in any way by this week's sermon, we would love to hear about it. It's your stories that encourage us and what we do, and we just want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. So you can go ahead and share with us at podcast at epeaston.com. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Have a great week.